Well, it sounds like we found what we were looking for this morning. Thank you, Gospel Choir. I've often thought I liked to have that song uh, sung just before I die and uh, just before I find what I'm looking for. Thank you. That's, a, that's my favorite song, by the way. Uh, we have a wonderful uh, guest with us this morning. Uh, she pastors a, a church with the coolest name I can think of for a church. It's the Bethel Unspeakable Joy Christian Fellowship Church. Now, that's a, that's a long name, and uh, it's a name taken right out of the Bible, uh, and I like the unspeakable joy part. Carol Houston is, uh, has been pastor there eight years. She's one of our trustees here at Westmont, and it was at her church uh, back in 1997 about that spring break in the city uh, got its beginnings. She had been on campus. Students uh, connected with her. They went down to her church, and uh, some wonderful things have come from that. Uh, I so value uh, what she brings to uh, this school and uh, what she stands for. And uh, I'm going to say a prayer for her. And then would you give her, well, give her your Westmont welcome. But the best welcome, of course, is to open your hearts and your minds to the message God has given for us through her. Lord, uh, bless your servant. You've called her here. You've appointed her to this hour. Lord, I pray that we will receive with joy what you've given her to give to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome, Carol Houston. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. I tell you, I started to kick my heels off over there, you know? And start rocking and rolling with the kind of worship with an attitude. I have one question. How is it that you all are doing that now? I'm looking out here at mostly white faces. How do you do that? How do, how do you do that? that? That is something. That is electrifying. It, it, it reminds me of my understanding of my relationship with Jesus Christ. I, you know, I have, I go back a few years, not too many years, just a few years back to my college days when I began to, uh, you all laughed about that. <laughs> when, when, when I used to just really question this whole thing about church and Christianity, probably like many of you who are here today can identify with the fact that, you know, when you're born in a church, and you, you, you know, you've got to go to church and all that stuff. And, and then especially for you all now, you have to come to a Christian college. My God, a few of you, it could be really boring. But by the time I got to college, I began to ask some serious questions, you know, and that is, how is it that, that uh, this walk with uh, Jesus Christ is, is so big and bad? You know, when I got to college, didn't have the opportunity to go to a Christian college, but I, I took an introduction to religion class, and, and I found out there was a whole lot of different kind of religions. I'm like, wow, you know. My, my parents were kind of selfish in terms of just talking about this one person, Jesus. And I began to investigate a lot of different religions, and I did get to a place where God began to unfold to me the, a powerful revelation about who Jesus is. There were so many who paid attention to God, and, and God communicated to them. But when Jesus Christ came into the world, it was awesome. It prodded me to begin to look at the Gospels and, and go through and, and, and look at Jesus and his teaching. You know, what was this that this man talked about? kept talking about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, 
uh, is at hand, is right here in your face. And I got to a place where today I, I understand it like this. You know, this man, Jesus, came and he has this awesome power to touch my life and say to me, you know what? You know, you're dead. I'm like, you know, I'm breathing. What, what are you talking about? I'm dead. No, understand something. He, he began to introduce a new dimension that went beyond my flesh. And that is the fact that, listen, Carol, there's a part of you that's, that's spiritual. And you may not understand it because that is the part of you that's dead. Now, I tell you something. Now, if you, if you want that spirit, which is dead, to come alive, I, I heard Jesus say, I can do something about that. I was at a point of being curious. And I'm like, all right. Okay, let's see what's up. And he says, well, I, I tell you this, you know something about God, don't you? I said, oh, sure, I can tell you a whole lot of things. I've been in church since a little kid. What do you want to know? Knew a lot about God. He says, well, there's something that can happen in your life where, where if, if you allow me to reconnect your spirit to God's spirit, your spirit, which is dead, can come alive. So, ooh, okay. Let's see what that's like. And so I accepted that invitation from Jesus Christ and allowed him to reconnect me to God's spirit. And, and I became alive in my spirit. So I understand this little gospel choir. Y'all just, yeah. You know, you were singing as though someone has been plugged in. I appreciate the opportunity, the invitation to come out today just to share a little inspiration with you about why I am excited about being reconnected to God and feeling the power of God's spirit. You know, even though in those college days I was asking a lot of questions in this day of my life, I still ask questions. Something came to me a few months ago, just studying the word of God. I had been taught as a child this whole story, and I heard you all sing about it today in praise and worship, little, little things about being free. And, you know, I, I, I remember the story of the children of God being in captivity in Egypt. Some of you who may have been in church kind of know that, you know. God's children, because of disobedience, ended up in captivity for years and years and years upon years in Egypt. And... Uh, um, I knew that story very well, and you know the story, you know, God raised up Moses, and he came and had conversation with Pharaoh, and he and his brother in leadership there, and God miraculously allowed them to be delivered. Well, before they were delivered, God says, listen, listen, not only am I going to deliver you, but I'm going to take you to a land that's flowing with milk and honey. Wow, well, that's a problem for those of us that don't like milk and don't like honey, but, but it had meaning to them. That is something to look forward to. And so they said, yes, okay. So the deliverance began, and they, they went through this, this, this sea called the Red Sea, and, 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 and Pharaoh and his army just charging after God's people. And God says, uh-uh, no, no, no. Psh, you know, drowned them in the sea. But, you know, two months ago, I thought of something I had never really thought about before. And I'm like, you know, God, given all this powerful message to the children when they're in slavery and in bondage. I'm going to deliver you to the promised land. My question was, God, why was it after they got all the way through that Red Sea that when they got on the shore on the other side, that it was a wilderness? It was not the promised land. I mean, God, what's up with that? You know, from slavery, you know, yeah, the, you know, to the promised land. Why did it have to be the wilderness in there? And, 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 and God spoke something very profound to me today that I want to share with you so that you can think about your own lives. 
You're sitting here as young people today. Faculty, staff, administration, guests, they're here too. But all of us who are present today can identify areas of our lives where we have been, and in some cases, we still are in bondage. Now, you may not want to tell your neighbor that. Just kind of touch your neighbor. Look at them. Look at them. See if they look like they're in bondage. I come in. There's a level of captivity that, that, that we have been in, and, and some of us can still identify today that we are in bondage, and yet there's a call of God saying that, you know what, I can deliver you from that, no matter what it is, no matter how, how strongly it has you bound. And some of you said, yes, I, I, I remember when I was in captivity in areas of my life, and yes, God has freed me, but it hasn't been as pleasant as I thought it was going to be. Some, some, sometimes there's, there's this, this picture we get that if I give my life to Jesus Christ, life is going to be wonderful. And some of us can say, well, since I gave my life to Christ, you know, it's kind of been kind of hellish. It's been hard. Attacks have come stronger than before. Well, it makes me think about the story of Moses and the children of Israel in the wilderness. That, 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 that wilderness experience, the fact that they did not get into the promised land immediately is because God wanted them to be in a dry place where their sufficiency was limited in themselves, but they had to depend on the power and the sufficiency of God. It was a time when they had to learn the power of God and the strength of God, which caused them to look beyond their own inner strength. Because, you know, sometimes we think that we're wonderful. That we have the answer to so many things that, I, you know, I, I think I did that pretty good. You know, I think I'm pretty smart. I have a history in my life and my ancestry that we come from, you know, a pretty great group of people. And we're just wonderful. Well, God wanted his children to know, listen, here I am. I am the all-sufficient one. And I can ignite your life in an awesome way. Well, we understand the power of Jesus Christ. When he came, he shed his blood, he died on the cross, and he made it possible to reconnect us, our lifeline, to the power of God. And there's a rejuvenation that begins in our lives. I'm impacted today as we go through this weekend in the celebration of a life of a man, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. To many of you, it can be insignificant. It's just a day out of school. It's a good thing. But for me today, I'd like to share something with you, an inspiration that this man had on my life, and to challenge you to think about a spirit of inspiration that he left for all of us if we grasp hold to it and we understand it. Dr. King would make reference a lot of times to this whole idea of being delivered from bondage and being free. He talked many times about the promised land and his ability to see it. This man had an encounter with Jesus Christ. He was reconnected to God, spirit to spirit. And what began to happen when he began to rely on that connection with God that goes beyond what we can see and experience in our humanness, he was able to see in the spirit that can happen when our lifeline is connected. And we do the best we can to empty ourselves out of our flesh, out of our own selfish pride. He came up. God raised him up at a time when the dilemma of the Negro person in this country was devastating and it was horrible to the African-American people. I have a great-grandmother 
who was born in slavery. I'm real young, I want you to know. Before the Emancipation Proclamation was signed in 1863, I have a great-grandmother who was born. I have history. I'm not far removed from slavery, and I've had experiences where it touched my life. Like Dr. King, he can realize and, and, and think back on the times that he personally lived through, where he was reminded that somebody told me, it's written somewhere, that someone named President Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation. It said that slaves were free. And here he is living almost 100 years removed from that time, and the picture is blurred. Somehow the freedom is not ringing out. The, 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 the opportunity to move about this country equally is not happening. This man met Jesus, who connected him to the power of God. And in his time of prayer, he began to hear something, some instruction in terms of which way to go, that you can impact alive the lives of those who would listen. There were many in opposition. Some of his greatest opposition came with, from among his own people because of the anger of how we as a people were treated. There was a desire to lash out, to do to others as they would do to us. But there was a peace in the heart of Dr. King a peace that did not come out of his outward experiences because he went through pain, he went through hell. But an inner peace told him to stand firm on truth that he knew. The truth that he knew was one, that in God, he is as equal as anyone. He knew that because he knew that a spirit has no color. A spirit has no gender. The power of God flows through mankind equally. He knew that. And then as he began to go forward with an understanding, he had a desire to communicate that to his people. We have backing us up a proclamation of independence. We have for us a constitution. We have for us the declaration of independence. We have it all here. All we need to do now is to stand firm on faith, believing that that which has been put before us will come to pass. He spoke about faith. He spoke about patience. It's not that he put forth what was laid there. He said God has gone before us and God has declared that we as a people would be free. Stand on the truth as it exists. Yes, he did. He spoke about nonviolence. Some of you may be aware of a masterful address that he gave in Washington, D.C. in 1963, standing right there in the shadow of the Lincoln statue, right behind him. And he did make a declaration. He says, yes, God did use this man. See, many of you don't know that President Lincoln did not necessarily want to sign that Emancipation Proclamation. He pondered over it, he wavered over it. But for the sanity and safety of the nation, he ended up signing it. And yes, it did declare that slaves would be free. 
but a large portion of this country says not so. Dr. King stood there that day, and he says, we have been given these rights, but it has not manifested itself. It's there. We cannot see it. We cannot feel it. But some of us can see it. He stood there and declared that he had a dream. How was he able to have the dream? God was able to show him beyond where he was. That's really interesting because even as we are gathered here today and we think about the areas of bondages and pains that we're in today, that that we wish we could be over on the other side of whatever it is that's ripping at your heart as you're attached to God's spirit, he can empower you in your faith to believe. It's not going to always be like this. He will give you the opportunity to get a view just beyond where you are. And that day, Dr. King was able to say, oh, yes, I dream of differences. That's going to bless everybody. It's not going to be that way. He's speaking in a time where year after year, month after month, there's protesting going forward. There's perseverance going forward. We must go forward. But but there's times of discouragement. I shared my own experience in 1962 as I was traveling across country with my family and members of our congregation on a bus tour, cross country to a meeting in Raleigh, North Carolina. I was terrified as a young girl when we got in the state of Tennessee and state troopers pulled our Greyhound bus over and cars were surrounding the bus. I was terrified when troopers came out with with shotguns and came in that bus. It was at night. I'll never forget it. With flashlights shining in the face of all the people on the bus as they went down, pointing guns and faces. I didn't know what was going on. My father was sitting at the front of the bus and he stood up in a posture as any man would do to protect those who he was in charge of. And he was hit with the butt of the rifle. I was terrified. I didn't realize at that young age then what was going on. I didn't understand then, coming from California, I didn't understand what freedom riders were. But as we went through the state of Tennessee and a busload of Negroes on this bus, state troopers thought we were freedom riders. And, and, and moving under their own power, their own individual power, stopped us to harass us, stopped us to do us harm. I have those pictures in my mind, whereas I was on this trip in that part of the country where I had to make sure that before I would sit down that it said colored and not white. When I went to get water, that I had to make sure that the fountain said colored and not white. I had to make sure when I went to the restroom that I didn't just get up in a restaurant and go to the restroom, but to make sure that I go out of the restaurant and around in the back to a shed where it said colored. I remember that. I remember how bitter I felt as a young child because I didn't understand that. I did not have the history in me that Dr. King had. But those are the things he began to to fight for. It was not right. Vision comes in the spirit when we recognize our connection spirit to spirit to God. Time began to pass. Wonderful leaders in the Negro community were slain because they had a voice. 
many of them not the nonviolent voice that Dr. King had, but they were trying to fight for their people, yet they died. Very moving time is presented. In 1968, the day before Dr. King dies, he's in the city of Memphis, and he's there because the sanitation workers are on strike. They call in there to come and, and rally with them and march for them just so they can be treated fairly. As Negroes, they could not have the benefits that were given to others. Dr. King came to Memphis that day, and he stood before them, and he says, yes, the justice is not right, but we have hope. We have hope. We have hope in God. We have hope in ourselves. If we would just come together and be one and understand and see. And he said to them, we also have hope in the fact that not all Americans, white America, feels the way that America is treating us. So God has plants within the whole of America. We're not standing alone. There were civil rights workers who were white. And he kept that before the people. As he was standing and addressed the people, he, he made it sure as he was looking out and, and, and the majority of the people around him were Negro people. He made them to understand his heartbeat, that the God he was connected to did not have color. He was not pushing for the Negro people to come against white America in anger, but just to stand fast in the strength and the hope that God had called them to. He said to them that there was some years before this time, when he had written his first book, he was in the city of New York at a book signing store. And as he was signing a book, a lady came up to him and he heard her voice. He asked her a question, are you Dr. Martin Luther King? And without looking up, still signing the book, he says, yes, I am. And immediately he, he felt a pounding in his chest. He realized moments after that, that this lady, who was a Negro woman, a demented Negro woman, had stabbed him in his chest. He went to the hospital, and he was there several days. And as they, they, they examined him, they discovered that the blade, they had to do surgery, major surgery, to take the blade out, and it had come very close to his aorta. They reported that had he sneezed, he would have died. They put that in the New York Times. Had he sneezed, he would have died. About a week later, when they removed him from the room and he was able to move around in the wheelchair, letters had come in from all over the country. Letters had come in from the president and vice president of the United States all around. But he tells of this one letter that was within all of those letters from a nine-year-old white girl there in high school in the city of New York. She said in his letter, Dear Dr. King, I heard that you got stabbed. Dr. King, I heard that had you sneezed, you would have died. I'm just writing to let you know that I'm glad that you did not sneeze. He let them know the power. There are people out there who God has planted, who can affirm what it is that God has called us to. In that address the day before he was assassinated, he says, oh, yeah, 
We got word even this morning before leaving Atlanta that the threats on my life have increased. The plane was delayed in Atlanta that day because they took extra precaution to check it out. He was thankful that he made it to that setting. But he said at the close of his speech, you know what? I don't know if I'm going to see another day, but I've been to the mountaintop. I see where God is going to take us as a people. I may not get there with you, but I see it. There's a vantage point of life that God gives us his children when we understand the power of the connection spirit to spirit where God can raise us up right now wherever we are and give us the ability to see beyond where we are, can see beyond the pain, the confusion, the brokenness of your home. I urge you today, oh yes, you're young, you're growing, you're in a good place. I urge you to seek God first and his righteousness through Jesus Christ. All that you do not know, you will come to know. And in coming to know it, you will experience a joy that is inexpressible. A joy that is so awesome because it's, an ex it's a spiritual transformation that you will find many times that you cannot put in words. Dr. King was misunderstood. He labored during that time. Again, not only from his own people, but America felt the threat of his presence. It was the power of God that came against it. He shares about a time in Alabama with Bull Connor, who was there, who just could not stand the Negro people. Dr. King had a ball listen to the Spirit of God through that opposition, the oppression that was placed there. God says, be still and know me. Be still and know that I will lead you. Moses and the children of Israel in the promised land. When they got hungry, God fed them with bread from heaven. They got thirsty. He knocked the rock. There's the water. Always remember that your sufficiency is in God. If you've never understood it before, understand it today about what this walk with Christ is all about. It's the fact that he came, he gave us the opportunity, mankind, in an awesome way. This was the newness of his coming, that he, through Jesus Christ, we can be attached, reattached to God, spirit to spirit. Westmont students, administration, faculty, staff, trustees who are here, In all your ways, acknowledge the Lord. He is guaranteed that he will direct your path. Enjoy the journey. God bless you.
Thank you, Carol. And you are dismissed.